0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. We are continuing our series on Psalms 23. We've talked about Psalms 23 verse 1, establishing that in order for the rest of the Scripture to be fruitful and show up in our lives, we have to start with Psalms 23 verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. In each scripture, we are talking and highlighting a name of God with each scripture so that we can learn the name and the attributes of God of who He is and what He wants to do in our lives. So in Psalms 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, we learn that God's name there was Jehovah Ra, Lord is my shepherd. And so we saw that in verse 1, I shall not want is the immediate benefit, the first benefit, As soon as you claim Jesus as Lord over your life, that you choose to abandon whoever else and whatever else you're following and follow the good shepherd, then the benefits of Psalm 23 follow after that. The first one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We saw verse 2 last week, the next two benefits, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. In here, we talked about another name of God, Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. He is my provider. He is going to provide for me when I don't know how, when I don't know when, when I don't know the timing of it. The Lord, my provider, will provide. And we talked about how we get Nervous if God is going to tell us or make us or lead us to do anything, but the heart of God and what He wants to do as your shepherd is He wants to make you lie down and rest. Hopefully, you went home Sunday after that sermon, took you a nap, laid on the sofa, rest, propped up your feet, took a break, took a breather. Make it a priority in your life to spend some time with God and let Him rest and work on you, that He leads you besides not crazy ocean waves of water. He leads you beside the still, the peaceful, the calm waters, that when all the chaos is happening around your life and you feel like your world is out of control, He leads you besides the still waters, the peaceful waters. He provides for you. Jehovah Jireh, and today we are jumping into verse 3. Halfway through Psalms 23, verse 3, we see two more benefits. He restores my soul, and the second benefit that we'll talk about today, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And the name of God that we have for this Scripture is an interesting name, It's Jehovah being God, and the the name is Sidkenu. It's got like one one vowel and 57 consonants. Jehovah Sidkenu is T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. And that name of God means the Lord, our righteousness. And We're going to see today how the Lord is our righteousness. ...ness. That scripture, when the first name is mentioned, Jehovah Sidkenu, is actually in the Book of Jeremiah, verse twenty-three. I mean, chapter twenty-three and verse six. And Jeremiah is a prophet, and he is talking about a messianic prophecy of the Messiah coming, of Jesus coming. And he makes this as God is speaking to him and through him. He says, "The Lord says this." In his days, talking about the Messiah, talking about Jesus, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is being Jesus, his name, the Messiah, his name, by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah Sidkenu, another name of God. God has many names, and those many names have different attributes. So we can see different aspects and sides of God of how He wants to interact with us. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be our provider. And here we see another name of God as He is calling Himself, I want to be your righteousness. It's mentioned again, I don't have it listed in the scriptures up here, but if you want to look at it later, in Jeremiah 33, 16, 10 chapters later, is another scripture that references the Lord our righteousness. So we're going to talk about the fourth benefit of being in the sheepfold of the shepherd. In Psalms 23, verse 3, it starts with, He restores my soul. He restores your soul. There's a TV show on TV, go figure, called American Pickers. I don't know if you've ever seen that show before. There's two guys, Mike and Frank, and what they do is they travel the nation, they go to different people's places, and they pick and they check And they go into these old barns and these old houses. They basically help clean out the hoarder's nest of stuff. And as they walk into these houses and these properties, they start going through all of this old junk. And they start finding pieces that they feel that they can restore and make use of and make money off of. And they can walk into this big barn this big house, this big piece of property, and they'll only leave with a handful of things, five things, ten things at the max, and they work to restore it, and the show is based on them finding it, them restoring it, and then them seeing how much money they can make from selling it. But they don't go in there and take everything from the house because not everything to the natural man can be restored. There might be someone who has 10, 15, 20, 100,000 different types of signs, old gas station signs, Coca-Cola signs, but they'll only take one or two that they think they can fix or restore because let's be honest, we as humans can be judgmental at times and we can look at 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100,000 different people and say, well, that person could be restored, that person could be helped. I don't know if that person could ever be helped. I don't know if they could be fixed, if they could be helped. And honestly, now in the show, Mike and Frank's relationship actually needs to be restored because they're not picking together anymore. They have two different people. So even in the show, their relationship can't be restored. Even in the natural, it looks like. But that's not God's heart. That's not God's intent. God's intent is to anybody who reads this scripture, the simple statement that he says, as your shepherd, I restore your soul. He's not like the pickers and walk in and grab four or five people and say, well, I could work with these people, but this other group, I'm just going to leave them here in their trash, in their filth, in their decaying state and let them go. No, it's God's heart. To restore all people, no matter the status, no matter the setup of your soul, good, bad, or ugly, it's his heart and his job as the shepherd to restore your soul. You can do a simple soul check today based on what emotional status you have been operating in here recently. How healthy is your soul in that Scripture, He restores my soul. The word soul there, if we need a definition to understand, well, I don't know if I can check my soul. That doesn't make sense. The definition for soul in Hebrew is nephesh, N-E-P-H-E-S-H, and it means your soul, yourself, a life creature, a person, an appetite, a mind, a living being, desire, emotion, passions. A definition for soul Is that which breathes a set of emotion or passions? And if we get really confused, here's some good definitions for your soul. The activity of the mind, the activity of the will, and the activity of your character. We can do a quick check on our soul and find out if we have a healthy soul or not by looking at the last couple of motions that we have walked through in our lives. I text just like the rest of you, but I I haven't uh, really dove into the emoji world. But if I understand right, there's a way or a place that you can look to see your top five or your top ten, got some yeses, so that makes sense, emojis that you use the most frequently. Well, if you checked your soul, what would your top five emotions be? What would your top five characters or things in your mind be? Would it be fear? Would it be worry? Would it be anxiety? Would it be anger? Would it be frustration? Would it be disappointment? Would it be joy? Would it be laughter? Would it be peace? You can do a simple check on your soul by looking at the effects of your emotions, is your soul healthy? You can check simply by looking at your surrounding area. I wrote down a couple. The loss of a loved one, the rejection of a family member, the love of a parent, the joy of a grandparent, the sting of a broken relationship, the gratitude for a healthy marriage, the empty feeling of being alone, that we can check and see where our soul and our emotions and our mind and our will is right now. And if it's not where it needs to be, that's okay. Because God says today, I restore souls. I am in the restoring of the soul business. I don't care how ugly it looks. I don't care how long you've been dealing with those emotions and those pains and those disappointments. It could be one day or it could be a hundred years. I am in the business of restoring your soul. I wrote this that God has already written and paid for the prescription to fix and heal your soul today today. So today would be, for you, the perfect day to go pick up that prescription and take it to receive healing for your soul. That word restore in the Hebrew is shub, S-H-U-W-B, and it means to return. God wants to return you back to when you had a healthy soul. It means to turn back that you no longer keep walking in the same direction of dealing with those same emotions. Well, my parents, my grandfather, he was angry, and my mother, she was angry, and I'm angry, and I see some anger in my kids, so I guess we're just going to keep having anger filter through my family. No, no, no. He restores my soul, so therefore, we're going to see some restoration of this. Another definition for restore means to bring back. Another definition for restore means to refresh. That maybe before that incident happened in your life or in your family's life, you were happy and you were joyful and you were having a good life, but something happened, something changed. And God's here today to bring a refreshing to your soul. I want to speak a couple of truths as we stay on this matter. Truth number one, God wants you refreshed, restored, prosperous, all of those things. God wants you. If God is in the business and He said in the Scriptures, He restores your soul, then that must mean His desire is to see your mind, will, and emotions restored. He could have said a lot of things in that passage. He could have said that God forgot your soul. He said, well, I healed their spirit. I saved their spirit, but there was something I forgot to do. I healed their bodies. By His stripes we are healed, but I forgot something. Oh, I forgot to heal their souls. He could have ignored your souls, well, that's just something that they're going to have to deal with. I've done enough for them already. I've already saved their soul, their spirit. I've healed their body. They can manage their soul. He could hate your soul. He could laugh at your soul. I can't believe you're going through this. What a joke. What an embarrassment. He could eat your soul, but he doesn't. The word that he chose to put in this scripture is that he restores your soul. He brings you back to restoration. Third John chapter 1, verse 2, the prayer of John as he's speaking is a simple prayer. A prayer that you should pray over yourself and over your family. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. That's a good prayer right there. I pray that you prosper. That's good enough.